Genesis 39, 1 and 2. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egypt Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Good evening, and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We have been thin today, attendance-wise. I guess summertime, people are traveling and in and out of town. We're glad that you're here if you're visiting. As Brother Thomas said a moment ago, we're thankful that you've chosen to be here. And we want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. I would invite you to turn in your Bible tonight to the book of Genesis, chapter 39. We're going to be talking about the theme, In the Face of Temptation. What we want to do is look at the life of Joseph as he was in Egypt and how Joseph dealt with temptation. And so we're going to be looking at chapter 39, specifically verses 6 through 12. Before we do that, as we said this moment, as we said this morning, if you are in the process of looking for a church home, we do invite you to consider the work here. We would love to have you come and be a part of the work. We, we would certainly love to invite you to look at the various works that are going on here in the church. I know the elders would be more than happy to talk to you about opportunities for service in this congregation. Tonight, as we look at Genesis 39, we think about the theme, In the Face of Temptation. Joseph, as you recall, had been sold into slavery. The Midianites and the Ishmaelites had bought him, and thus he had been taken down into the land of Egypt. And the Bible tells us in verse 1 that Potiphar, an officer of the guard, or rather officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Verse 2, the Bible says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. The statement that is made in verse 2, I like particularly in light of the life of this man that we know as Joseph. The Bible says he was a successful man. And there are a lot of reasons for his success, and ultimately it could be attributed to his faith or trust in the Lord. But in this context, we read of Joseph facing temptation. How did he deal with temptation? What made him a success in the face of temptation? Let me give you three reasons why Joseph, this young man of God, was successful in combating temptation. Number one, in verses 6 through 9, we find Joseph refused to sin. In other words, Joseph was faithful. And so, because of his great faith and his faithfulness to God, he refused to sin. Look at verse 6 if you would. The Bible says, Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, that being Potiphar, 
the captain of the guard. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said to him, Lie with me. Now note verse 8. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There are two reasons why I believe that Joseph refused to sin. Number one, Joseph was a man of honor. The second reason, Joseph was a man of holiness, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But Joseph was a man, ultimately, of honor. And I believe that because of his honor and his integrity, he had a sense of respect for his master, Potiphar, the captain of the guard. And so, in verse 8, he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what, he has, what, what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. Now there's a passage found in the book of Romans in chapter 13 where the Apostle Paul talks about the importance of love in the life of believers. He said, Owe no man anything but to love one another. In verse 10, he talks about how love does no harm to his neighbor. Thus, love is the fulfillment of the law. I think about the importance of Joseph maintaining his integrity and his honor, having been separated from his family, from his friends, from the father that loved him dearly. He was a man of honor. When you and I face temptation, when we face sin in life, the first thing we have to do is refuse. We have to, as the caption said many years ago, just say no. We have to learn to say no, and one of the reasons we have to say no is because we are people of honor and because we have the utmost respect for our fellow man. Sometimes sin is against God, and there are times when sin is against our fellow man. In this case, sin was against his fellow man and against God. But I believe that Joseph refused to sin because he was a man of honor. But not only was he a man of honor, but he was a man of holiness. Look at verse 9. Joseph responded to his master's wife by saying, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now granted, his sin would have, would have been against this woman. It would have been against her husband, Potiphar. But ultimately... His sin would have, would have been against Jehovah God. Over in the book of Psalms, we read of David in what is often called the penitential psalm. David, you recall, committed adultery with Bathsheba. David had her husband, Uriah the Hittite, killed on the front line of battle. And in Psalm 51, verse 4, David said, Against you and you only have I sinned and done this great wickedness. Had David sinned against Bathsheba? Yes, he had. Had he sinned against Uriah the Hittite? Well, of course he had. But ultimately, his sin was against Jehovah God. 
And so, Joseph, being a man of character, a man of integrity, a man of faith, refused to sin because of his holiness. That is, because of his standing with Almighty God. There are a couple of things to think about in relationship to sin. Sometimes we ask, well, what's the harm? I mean, what would be wrong with engaging in some particular sin or giving in to temptation? Two things. Number one, sin impairs our reputation in life. Now, someone could easily ask, who would have known? I mean, here is Joseph. He's been separated from his family, from his friends, from his father. He's down in Egypt. He's undergone a great deal of duress. He's in a foreign land among foreign people. He's risen to prominence. Things are going well now. He's a handsome young man. I mean, after all, who's going to know if he takes advantage of the situation before him? I'll tell you who would know. God would. Not only would God know, but he would have to live with that. But not only would God know, not only would Joseph have to live with himself after having committed adultery, but then there is the stain of his reputation. I said just a moment ago that Joseph was a man of honor. He was a man of holiness. There's a lot to be said for our reputation. And ultimately, we create our own reputation in life. Now, Solomon said, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. You and I, because of the way we live and because of our lifestyle, because of the things that we do on a daily basis, we are, in essence, creating a reputation. When certain names are called. Typically, there is what we call a word association. When you look at the life of Joseph, one of the things you have to admire about him, he was a man of faithfulness to Almighty God. He was a man that refused to sin. And so we think about our reputation in life. When you give in to temptation, when you give in to sin, you need to understand that it's going to ultimately taint your reputation. And maybe you say, well, nobody's going to know about it. Well, you'll know about it. And God will know about it. Solomon said, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. But then there's a second thing that you and I need to consider. Not only does sin impair our reputation in life, but it ultimately impairs our relationship with the Lord. Because if you look at what is said in Genesis 39, here's a statement that Joseph makes. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph understood the magnitude of this action. That it would impair, impede, destroy his relationship with the Lord. When temptation comes our way, we need to refuse it because it's going to soil our reputation. It's going to taint our, our relationship with the Lord. 
In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, Isaiah talks about how sin separates men and women from Jehovah God. And so, in the face of temptation, number one, refuse to sin. But number two, I would suggest that we resist sin. That is, we have to put up a fight. Look, if you would, at what is said in verse 10. Now, bear in mind, Potiphar's wife, she's cast her eyes upon Joseph. He's a handsome young man, and she wants him. And so in verse 10, the Bible says, So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day. To me, that's a very important statement. She was on him hot and heavy every day. She was after him. Is that not what Satan does to us? How then can you and I, as the people of God, overcome the devil? We have to resist. We have to put up a fight. Sometimes we give in to temptation because we fail to fight. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. In Ephesians 6, verse 10, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We have to be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. We have to be willing to fight, to dig in our heels. Determination has to take precedence in our lives. Three things about temptation you and I need to know. Number one, temptation is coming. You can just mark it down. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how, how you are, economically speaking, whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter about your educational background. It doesn't matter about the color of your skin. The bottom line is this. Temptation is coming. It's going to come in different forms. It's going to come in various ways. But you can rest assured, temptation is coming. Now over in Luke chapter 4, we read about Jesus being tempted by the devil. And the Bible says in verse 13 that when the devil had finished tempting him, that he departed until an opportune time. Temptation's coming. The devil may come today. He might, he might try to, to disrupt your faith in God. He might pose certain temptations before you today and then leave. But guess what? He's coming back. Now, the book of Genesis says that Potiphar's wife spoke to Joseph day by day. And note what it said that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. What did he do? He resisted. Joseph was not going to allow Potiphar's wife to destroy his faith. He wasn't going to allow him to destroy his honor or his holiness. Not only is temptation coming, but I would suggest that temptation is cunning. And by that, I mean it's very subtle. Maybe there are times in life when it's more blatant than others, but temptation is coming and it is cunning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 3, we read about Adam and Eve. Particularly in this context, Paul brings to mind Eve. And he said that she was deceived by the craftiness of the devil. 
Think about how the devil seeks to exploit people. And think about how he does everything within his power to, to subvert our faith in Almighty God. I said a moment ago we have to refuse to sin, but we also have to resist sin. So there's an interesting article in the paper today in the sports section about media day in the SEC. And the article actually focused around Tim Tebow, who is the quarterback for the University of Florida. And Tim Tebow, as you know, is probably one of the best quarterbacks to have ever played collegiate football. But a question was posed to him. And the ba basic question was this, are you saving yourself for marriage? Here was his response, two-time Heisman Trophy winner. His response, yes, I am. Tim Tebow made the determination at some point in time in his life to remain a virgin until marriage. Now, the devil, and I'm primarily talking to our young folks now, what the devil wants you to believe is that it's okay to engage in premarital sex. The devil wants you to think that to say no, to resist overtures, that that's narrow-minded, old-fashioned, that that's prude. What you need to understand is that's God's way. First Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible says, This is the will of God, even our sanctification, that we abstain from fornication. Why do I say that? Because Joseph was a young man. And Joseph was down in Egypt. He had been deported to Egypt at the age of 17. He was a teenager. And Joseph, like every other red-blooded teenager, had hormones at work. But Joseph refused to sin, and Joseph resisted sin. Let me tell you, temptation is coming and temptation is cunning. There are going to be individuals that are your peers, and they're going to tell you, if you want to be in with the in crowd, this is what you need to do. If you want to be popular, then what you need to do is be sexually active. I'm telling you, and I want you to understand that God says, wait till marriage. God says his way is the best way. Now, that's not what you're going to hear in the world. That may not be what you hear at school. It's certainly not going to be what you hear on the radio or on television. But God's way is the best way. We talk about the cunning work of the devil. The devil wants you, the devil wants you to think that, that premarital sexual relations are acceptable. He wants you to think that drinking alcohol is cool. He wants you to think that drug abuse is the way to go in life. He wants you to be dishonest. He wants you to, to cheat, to lie, to do whatever to get ahead. That's the way the world operates, and that's the way the devil operates. And here's something to think about. When it comes to the devious work of the devil, nothing, and I would underscore that word nothing, nothing is off limits to the devil. Now you can go in the court of law, 
There are certain cases that are tried in the courts of our land, and because certain things have occurred, a judge will determine that certain evidence in a case are inadmissible. You can't bring it into the courtroom. Those things are off limits. Well, let me tell you, when it comes to the devil, nothing is off limits. The devil's going to do everything he can to destroy you and your faith. You just look around and see the carnage that the devil has left in his way. And so temptation is coming, temptation is cunning, and finally temptation is captivating. Now Joseph could have said, you know, I owe myself at least this one opportunity. I mean, after all, who's going to know about it? I've suffered some hardship in life. I haven't seen my, my father. My own brother sold me out. I've been mistreated. I mean, why not? And then we think about just the sensual pleasure. Would it have been gratifying to Joseph to have engaged in a sexual relationship with Potiphar's wife? Well, the answer would be yes. He would have enjoyed it. But you see, that's what the devil wants you to think. Had Joseph given in, Joseph would have been captured by the devil. There's an interesting passage of scripture found in 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 26. Where Paul talks about those who are taken captive by the devil to do his will. Once you say yes, you become his prisoner. Joseph had enough sense, enough intelligence to know the best thing to do was to resist. Number three, not only are we to refuse to sin, not only are we called upon to resist sin, but we must run from sin. Look at what it said, picking up again in verse 10. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her, to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, see he who has brought to us a Hebrew or rather he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. Well, she turned the tables on Joseph and lied about the situation. The bottom line is this. Joseph ran from sin. What are you and I called upon to do when we're faced with temptation? When we see sin coming our way, the best thing to do is run. Run with everything we have. Joseph left his garment in her hand, and he got out. That's what we need to do. Why do we need to flee in times of temptation, in times of sin? Three reasons. Number one, because sin will defeat you. Sin will always defeat you. Had Joseph given in, the devil would have won the victory. When you and I yield to temptation, ultimately what we're, letting the do, what, what we're letting the devil do is win, gain the victory. 
The song that we sing from time to time, yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Sin will always defeat those who yield to it. Let me give you two quick examples of individuals defeated by sin. The first would be Samson. You can read about Samson over in the book of Judges. Samson was a man of great strength. The problem was he lacked self-control. When we talk about temptation, ultimately what we need is self-control. Well, this man, this man of God, lacked self-control. And because he lacked self-control, he told Delilah the secret to his strength. And as a result of that, she had his hair shorn from his head. His strength left him. And what happened? The Philistines came. They blinded him. They put his eyes out. They bound him up. They put him in prison. Now here was a man who was a judge. Here was a man of great strength, a man of valor. And yet, because of weakness, he allowed the devil to win. Sin will defeat you every time. Another example, Luke 15, the prodigal son. As for his inheritance early, went out into a far country, and there the Bible says he wasted everything on profligate living. Jesus, in his narration of that story, talks about when he had spent all, he began to be in want. Do you think that the prodigal on that occasion felt victorious? Do you think that the bright lights and the appeal of the world was everything that he had imagined? No, I see somebody who was slayed by sin. Sin will not only defeat you, but sin will disrespect you. We talk about wanting respect and wanting to have a good reputation, a good standing in the community and in the church. Every time, sin will disrespect you. I think about people that all of us have known down through the years, prominent people that have engaged in certain activities, some criminal, some immoral, and in so doing, what happened? They were disrespected. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 15. The way of the transgressor is hard. When you choose to sin, when you yield to temptation, ultimately you're going to disrespect yourself. Do you think that the devil wants you to be an honorable, respectable citizen? Do you think he wants you to be a respectable member of the church of Christ? Absolutely not. What he wants you to do is go out in life, mess up, do something that brings shame and reproach to your good name and to the cause of Christ. And then thirdly, sin will not only defeat you, not only will it disrespect you, but it will destroy you. Sin will always destroy its opponent. Here's what Paul said in Romans 6 verse 23, the wages of sin is death. That's why we need to stand against it. That's why we need to run from sin. I'm thankful to Almighty God for the life of Joseph. Because at a tender age, as a young man, as a teenager, he had the fortitude, the wherewithal, if you please, to run from sin. Now, let me just close by saying this. 
All of us are faced with temptation. It doesn't matter how young or how old, as I said a moment ago, it doesn't matter how rich or poor we may be, it doesn't matter what color our skin is, we're all going to face temptation in life. What we want to do is minimize the various times of temptation that come our way through the devious work of Satan. It may mean turning off the television set. It may mean not going into a bookstore, not standing close to the newsstand. It might mean being more diligent in our study of the Word of God. It might mean that we spend more time memorizing the Word of God as the psalmist did in Psalm 119.11 when he said, Your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's going, to be, it's going to mean being more diligent in Bible study and in worship to God. It's going to mean being more involved in the work of God. Ultimately, we want to be victorious. Temptation, it's coming. The question is, how will we as the people of God respond? May we have the courage and the conviction to refuse to sin. May we choose to resist sin when it comes, and if the need be, may we run from sin. I think about young people that sometimes are out with their friends, and maybe the evening is not going as they had planned. Maybe, maybe their friends stop and buy a six-pack of beer. Maybe they're trying to pressure them sexually. And you know what they do? They pick up the telephone, they pick up their cell phone, they call home and say to their mama or daddy, come get me. What are they doing? They're running from sin. That's what we want to do. We want to stand victorious and ultimately have a home in heaven. Maybe you're here tonight, you're not a Christian. Could we encourage you to come to Christ? The Bible says in John 10, verse 10, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, what would you need to do? Well, the Bible says, first of all, you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. The Bible also says that you have to repent to turn from a life of sin, John 8, 24. The Bible also says that we're to confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. And the Bible says we must be baptized in order to appropriate salvation, Mark 16, 16. When we do that, the Lord then adds us to the church, Acts 2, at verse 47. And if we're faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're unfaithful, could we encourage you to come home as we stand and sing?